Earlier this year, the Philippines and the United States conducted their largest ever joint war games. We saw the Balikatan exercises fielding more than 17,000 troops, not only from the Philippines and the United States, but also from a lot of allied and partnered nations. We had observers from Australia, from Japan, the United Kingdom, and the message was quite clear that the Philippines and United States are taking their bilateral relationship to new heights and new levels. It's not just the size of the Balikatan exercises which is an important thing to keep in mind. 17,600 troops is more than twice what we had in previous years. But it's also the nature of military exercises between the Philippines, the United States and other allied nations who were there as observers. For instance, the two allies actually simulated the sinking of a vessel of an adversary country. Of course, they didn't mention that it's China, but everyone knows that given the location of the exercises, the location of the war games, this had a lot to do with the disputes in the West Philippine Sea or the South China Sea. The two sides also deployed state-of-the-art weapon systems, including the Patriot missile systems that the United States has been using or fielding in order to deal with adversaries across the world. So both in terms of size and nature of exercises, this was truly historic. But the question is, what is the implication of this for U.S.-Philippine relationship? In fact, the bigger question is, what is the implication of the largest ever Balikatan exercises in recent memory for the Philippine-U.S.-China triangular relationship? Is this provocative? Is this for deterrence? Does this have to do with the West Philippine Sea and South China Sea disputes? Or is this also about Taiwan? That's what we're going to find out in our interview today with the Executive Director for Balikatan Exercises, Colonel Mike Lohiko. Okay, joining us tonight is Balikatan 2023 Executive Agent, uh, Colonel Mike Lohiko. Thank you very much, Colonel, for joining us. Thank you for having me, Richard. Um, thank you also for getting my title right. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I kind of uh, was wondering what's going on with the title. Agent kind of sounds a bit uh, James Bondish. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, actually, executive agent. It's a it's a doctrinal term that we use during exercises. I practically serve as the chief of staff of the exercise directorate. Wow. I see that. Yes. And, and, and these are big exercises, I suppose. There's a lot of responsibility involved there, right? Yeah, I've been in this job since 2021. Right. Uh, before that, I, I used to be the uh, exercise control group of the command post exercises. Right. So that's way back in 2017. Right. This will make, my, this, will make this my fifth Balikatan. Right, uh, right. My third as executive agent and biggest on the record as far as I know. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself first, uh, Colonel? To a lot of us, you're well-known, especially those people who are in media or write a lot about the Philippines. What's going on? How did you end up in your current executive agent position? Um, I'd like to ask that myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, well, I'm a colonel in the Philippine Army. Um, Philippine Army. Yes. Right. Yeah, just to get the uh, My, my current position right now, uh, on my day job, I'm the director of the Joint and Combined Training Center. Which does what specifically for? I, I train mm -hmm. the, well, my center trains units, particularly the Unified Commands and the Joint Task Forces, right. to get them to that level of proficiency on joint operations. Right. So what are joint, what's, what's a joint operation? Exactly. It's it's uh, it's a military operation where you have more than one service component involved. So if you have the army right. operating together with the air force, then that's a joint operation. If you have the air force operating with the navy, that's a joint operation. So multi-domain. Yes, uh, that's the other term. I can't yes. hear about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in the progression of a of an officer's career, they first have to be proficient in their a single component operations like uh, if you go from lieutenant right. to captain to major you have to be proficient in uh, in if you're in the army you have to be proficient in ground operations so they make use of a lot of combined arms operations right. the infantry with the cavalry the armor and the artillery the same is true when it comes to the navy and the air force so uh, when uh, officers progress 
beyond the, the rank of lieutenant colonel, uh, carrying over to the rank of colonel, they have to be proficient in joint operations. They have to work well with the other right. service components. See? So uh, my job is to train people and to train units on jointness, on uh, the, the doctrine of jointness. Right. We have to be proficient in working together. Uh, part of my job is also to conduct exercises. So it's not just lectures, it's uh, practical exercises, field training exercises. Uh, they come in many forms. Sometimes we do tabletop exercises, staff exercises involving the uh, staff of commanders. Right. And we also do command post exercises. We simulate uh, a major operation without the troops. At the very end of the extreme, uh, at the very extreme, uh, we do field training exercises. So it's not just the planning, but also in the execution, and that's where uh, Balikatan comes in. Right. Uh, this is probably the most complicated of all exercises and the most high profile, right? I mean, well, yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Balikatan? When did this start? Uh, what was the nature? What was the purpose behind Balikatan, and how it has evolved over time? Not only during the four or five years that you have been directly mm -hmm. involved with it. But based on your understanding of the arc of the exercises, okay. So, ano ang bag nito? I mean, ano ang bag na exercises yeah, okay. yan? Yeah. So, uh, Balikatan is one of the lines of effort of the Mutual Defense Security Board and the Security yeah. Engagement Board. Ano? Uh, the objective here uh, of Balikatan is to uh, gain interoperability, is to demonstrate interoperability right. between the AFP and its partner ally which right. is the United States. So this is mega coordination. So yes, if you're teaching between different branches of the Philippine Armed Forces, this is between armed forces of multiple countries. Yes, yeah. precisely. Yeah. So the, the complication Excellent. is uh, magnified uh, because you're not only doing it among the three right. services, you're also, you'll also have to do it with a partner ally. Uh, so that is the objective of Balikatan, to get us to that level of proficiency where we can operate uh, together with the other service components and uh, we can also operate together with a treaty ally. Uh, which is the reason why uh, Balika, when you say Balikatan, it's almost always tied in with the Mutual Defense Treaty. Because the Mutual Defense Treaty uh, is that, uh, is that uh, instrument mm -hmm. that enables us to, uh, tells us practically that we have to train together if, you, if you're expecting to fight together. Mm -hmm. And when was the first Balikatan and, and why is it so big? Why are Balikatan exercises generally big? We'll talk about later on why this year is super big, but last year was what, 8,700, 900? Yes, yes. So usually it's around six, seven, eight thousand, right? That's a lot of people. Why is Balikatan the like mother of all exercises? At least this yeah, is what it well, appears outside. Yeah, yeah. In this, this particular Balikatan, uh, we're calling it the Super Bowl of exercises. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so one way of putting uh, especially it. Especially yeah. if the Americans uh, describe it. You know, right, they they right. describe it in their terms. So they, they call it the Super Bowl of exercises. Um, okay. Uh, uh, once upon a time, we used to have US bases. Right. Until right. 1992, Yeah, and then yeah. after that, uh, well, even during the time that we had US bases, we also had training together. No? Mm -hmm. And uh, was there something as big as Balikatan uh, uh, during the Cold War? Not, not, not so much. You know? mm -hmm. But uh, since uh, sometime it was 1991, where uh, we, it's a combination of factors. Of course, uh, yeah. And then also to to add to that, you also had uh, the Mount Pinatubo eruption. Right. It, uh, End of sort Cold of, War. it sort of hastened yeah. up the, the removal of the US bases. Uh, but you still had the Mutual Defense Treaty. Right. Okay, so uh, the natural offshoot of that is uh, in the absence of those of, uh, of their actual presence, we, we have to train uh, together uh, to, to get us to that uh, level of proficiency, to that level of, uh, uh, of confidence that we can actually execute a, a, an operation together. Now, uh, through the years, uh, we've gone from tactical level exercises uh, at the level of the squad, right. uh, individuals, uh, soldiers' individual skills, and then we build that up to larger formations from squad to company, battalion, and practically what you're looking at now is uh, probably the most ambitious of all right. exercises because now we're uh, practically 
involving a lot of the a lot of units from the different unified commands. So now we have uh, exercises that are happening in the Visayas. We right. have exercises that are happening in Palawan and also in the island of Luzon. Um, so this is so uh, in the lang multi-domain, multi-theater in a sense, yes. right? And multi. Topography, very different kind of topography, yes. different kind of operations. Yes, uh, and we're doing it in the different. Uh, we're also including cyber defense. Right. So we're already uh, recognizing the cyber domain right. as one of the areas that uh, we have to we have to focus on. Most of our command and control systems uh, to include intelligence, right. surveillance, uh, that those those things uh, fall under the cyber domain. And the vulnerabilities that exist in the civilian cyber domain also bleeds over to our Correct. to our capabilities as well. So we have to uh, we cannot ignore that uh, the cyber domain is one of the areas where uh, military interest uh, needs to focus on uh, in order for us to harden or to make ourselves make our structures uh, defensible. Since when has the cyber aspect become more important in terms of joint exercises? And we have and recognized it for a long time, but long this time, is going yeah. to be the first time uh, that cyber defense is going to be one of the main uh, events uh, for Balikatan. Uh, Colonel, before again going to the latest Balikatan, I, uh, the reason I'm asking about the background and all is because I want people to appreciate what's going on here. Mm. I want people to appreciate that there's a conscious, concerted, systematic effort by the armed forces of the Philippines, not only to work more effectively with our allies, especially U.S., but also to modernize itself, to be more capable in waging or conducting modern warfare. Yes. What is your understanding over time? Is the Philippines moving in the right direction? And the reason I'm asking this, Colonel, is because I see a lot of layman, you know, nonsense out there. Like this idea is, ah, AFP, ano lang yan, Indian ready for 21st century, AFP, mm. wala tayong nakuha sa mga Amerikano after all of those years. I know the reality is far more complicated mm. than that, and I would say even more optimistic and encouraging than that. What do you say to a lot of people outside there who don't seem to appreciate all the efforts you guys are putting in, all the improvements you have well, been undergoing? My, yeah, my simple answer to that is, if, you're, if you were tasked mm -hmm. to defend the country, to put your life on the line, uh, to, to defend the nation, wouldn't you take every advantage available mm -hmm. to you? Right. Uh, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you use every advantage available to you for for you to execute your mandate? And the, if the answer is yes, then you have to train with the treaty ally, because it would be stupid not to. Okay. Uh, I compare uh, this type of exercise. Uh, to that of an athlete who wants right. to who wants to train to be a world class athlete. To okay, qualify let's, let's, for Olympics. Yes, uh, let, let's pick uh, a sport. Okay, right. uh, it is possible for you to train alone. Uh, like if you're if you want to swim, right. yeah, you can you can learn how to swim all by yourself. All you have to do is just buy the best books in swimming. Mm. Uh, watch the best videos on swimming. YouTube, yeah. And you're probably going to learn how to swim. Yeah, but chances are you're not going to be a world-class swimmer. Uh, unless you have to train with a world-class coach. Unless you train with a world-class partner. Right. Okay, because why? Well, you need somebody to pace you. You need somebody to motivate you. You need someone to point out your bad habits. Only then you could break mm -hmm. that glass ceiling and uh, uh, create a benchmark right. of what you want to become. The gold standard. Yes, precisely. Right. I mean, look, even the best athletes, uh, Manny Pacquiao had to right. get a world-class coach. Right. He had to get a world-class sparring partner mm -hmm. right? Uh, to get to where he is right now. But Karina, what about those who say that, well, um, okay, it, in theory it makes sense, but there's also the threat of dependency. You know, I mean, I mean, you can always get the best coach, etc. But if you're not making the most out of that, you end up as just being independent on the best coach or best partner. What do you say about people who are saying that all of these exercises we have with the I US? I think we have too much pride. We have mm. too much pride to be overly dependent. Right. A lot of our soldiers, the way they carry themselves, and, and this is what I always remind them, you know, 
please, I please tell go. them yeah. that when we train together with the Americans, keep in mind, you're not worse or better than them. They're see yourself as yeah. equals. You, right. you have to see yourselves as their equals. Uh, we are just as good as they are, and sometimes we may even be better at certain certain respects. Remember, we fought side by side, World War II. Right. We've uh, distinguished ourselves uh, in the Korean War, and we have years of combat experience. Uh, isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that something that we uh, should? Well, I'm not saying that we should be proud of it, but. Uh, isn't that something? Isn't that something uh, right. that uh, we have to? Sh- we can show for it. Uh, there is. Um, but there Colonel, is a growing... I, sorry for cutting you there because the idea I, I completely get it about the whole arc of the Philippines mm. experience and all. But many people are saying, I mean, you come from the army. The, the idea is that the Philippines has a lot of experience in fighting domestic insurgency mm-hmm. and all. But when it comes to external security yeah, and our rivals, parang kapostayo or Sapat na mga, yeah, let's say fighter jets, yes. harder. Yes. What do you say to those yes. people? Uh, let, let me, you know, I, kasi I think, uh, yeah, right. I think I might have given you that impression. Uh, there are things mm-hmm. that we, there are certain knowledge gaps that we need to fill in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we cannot fill that in using our ins- uh, using our experience in insurgency, because that can only get you. It's f- a different. So, yeah, yeah, that can only get you to a certain level, right. mostly at a tactical level. And trust me, a lot of our uh, uh, American friends, they look at us as the uh, as very proficient when it comes to the tactic when it comes right. to tactics, right? Uh, but the knowledge gap is really uh, when you elevate yourself from tactics to, to operations. Level, yeah. right? So that's that's where we need to right. uh, train on, you know? especially Balikatan. Correct. Okay, Balikatan. The challenge here is. Uh, not anymore at a tactical level, but you are really focused on the operational level. Right. And there are things that we need to overcome. Uh, part of it is uh, our our uh, logistics, our uh, our C4I, mm-hmm. uh, our uh, intelligence. Those are the things that uh, we have we have to learn uh, from our training partners. You see, when it's when you put these things together that. Tactics becomes very complicated, mm-hmm. you see. And uh, at the operational level, it is where you will see a lot of uh, people. Uh, they they are overwhelmed by the number of moving parts that are happening all right. at the same time. Many variables. Yes, yeah. precisely. You know? So it is really a challenge for us to get to that level. And the best way really is to take every advantage. Mm-hmm. You see, when there are certain things when we. Uh, when we transition already from internal security to external defense, there are some things that we can take from internal security, but you cannot uh, depend on your experience in internal security to get to uh, exactly. to be uh, to be a world class uh, defense force. Right, right. That's why Balikatan is necessary, and we also have opportunities to train alone. Mm-hmm. So we take the lessons from Balikatan. And then we conduct our own joint exercises, our own unilateral exercises. Right, right. You see, well, if we did not have an insurgency, the AFP would be training and training all year round. That's uh, that's the nature of all armed forces. Right. Prepare, uh, prepare for a crisis that may or may not happen. You see, um, Colonel, obviously there are concerns that the armed forces of the Philippines for a very long time was focus on domestic insurgency, their concerns about bureaucratic corruption, all of the problems we have had in the past. But in fairness, in fairness, since 2011 with the revised AFP modernization, it looks like we are moving towards becoming much more modern 21st century armed forces. What is your understanding of what we're getting right and where we can still do better in terms of the AFP modernization for the 21st century? Because, I, of course, President Ramos really was the first one to push for yes. this back in the 1990s. I'm, I'm yeah. an army guy, right. right? I'm an army guy. So, siempre, the <laughs> uh, if if I just think about the army, right? Yeah, modernization since the bulk of the AFP budget yeah. are colored green. Yeah, yeah, we have to. Uh, we have to modernize the army. What we're getting right now is we're focusing also on the, on Navy, the Navy and, and the Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. Recognizing the fact that uh, in a modern defense force, 
you have to have a uh, a robust joint force and you cannot achieve that unless you have a very strong navy right. and a strong air force and we're an archipelagic country especially uh, yeah, that. Yeah, are, are as big yeah. as Russia so yeah, especially right? that yeah. no, we are an archipelagic exactly, country yeah. our <laughs> our borders are not land borders they're maritime borders exactly, yeah. to protect that yeah you need the navy you need the navy to protect that you know? what we're getting right is that we are now focusing on modernizing our navy and our air force mm-hmm. you see as a, well ako i'm i cons- even though i'm in the army i, I consider myself uh, service agnostic right yeah i, I whichever see, works best for the country precisely, precisely. yeah you know uh, what we're what we're looking at is uh, we're trying to change the culture of the afp Uh, instead of uh, seeing ourselves as oh I'm army I'm navy I'm air right. force that no, we, we have tribal to, yeah. yeah we have to see ourselves as a defense force are we moving the right I don't want to put you on the spot but time of Filipino no I mean we come from the north there's this idea of you know yeah you know what I'm it, it, it's just part of our political culture right I don't think this is an AFP thing it's a very Filipino thing uh, I'm trying to change the culture exactly uh, actually uh, we are trying to change right. the culture uh, when we when we train our students. Uh, in the Command and General Staff right. College, we we like to encourage them. Ano? Uh, when we come together, let's not call ourselves Army, Navy, Air Force. Right. Okay. Let's call ourselves the land, the ground, the maritime, and the air components. Air Force, yeah. Components. Ground component, air component, maritime component. The word component is essential eh? because if you start using it in your in in planning right. conversations. Uh, the term component already signifies that I'm part of a larger effort. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm not, I don't provide all the capabilities of the effort, but I provide crucial capabilities of the effort, and I I need to rely on the maritime and the air component as well. You see, you start with that, and then you develop a culture for planning. Right. So it's and, not just getting the best weapons for a navy and air force. It's also about reorienting the mindset yes, of precisely. everyone, including the army, especially precisely. the dominant army. And it also involves that. mutual respect between different between officers, between yeah. officers uh, belonging to the different uh, service components. You know, I have to I have to look at my brother navy officer, right. and I have to respect his I have to respect his expertise, and I have to respect him as a professional. It starts from there, right. and then once we get that the habit of uh, looking at ourselves as uh, as professional war fighters then we we develop a culture although of course healthy rivalry will always be there i mean for some of us who watch Top Gun, yeah. Yeah. like even within air force there's going to be rivalry etc yes, uh, rivalry to, an, to an yeah. extent if it drives you to do better that's rivalry. that's good that's exactly. a healthy rivalry yeah. you know but uh, not to make it a toxic rivalry But in a way where we can we can help each other uh, right. achieve better. Right, not parochial, tribalistic mindset, etc. Yes. But before talking more about navy and all uh, and modernization of the Philippines, which brings us to the latest Balikan exercises, what were the lessons we learned from Marawi? Because generally, say when it comes to jungle warfare, etc., AFP is very, especially army is very proficient. But it looks like in the urban warfare context, there was some adjustments that had to be made right i mean mm. what is your understanding of the tactical strategic lessons from the 2017 uh months long siege in marawi mm. i hope this is not a ball from the blue question but it just came up to me because you're talking about how the improvements operational uh, evolutions that we're making mm. are we did we learn the right lessons from that did do you think the marawi uh, crisis made the afp much more modern much more agile much more nimble well i um Okay, maybe the safe answer there. Yeah, yeah, I, you know? <laughs> I know you're in charge of Balikatan, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna yeah. take advantage of you and uh, ask about maybe that. Maybe the safe answer yeah. there is we learn more from our mistakes than our successes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of times when we make mistakes, we spend the remainder of the day figuring out why we made this mistake. Right. You know? Right. Okay. Uh, when you're successful, it's very unlikely that you're going to spend a moment of reflection on why you why you were successful. Most likely, you just pat yourself on the back and say, "Oh, I did good, right. right?" And then nothing, nothing anymore. So we we learn a lot from mistakes. 
uh, and this is what we also want to uh, teach our people you know? in exercises you can make all the mistakes you want because the risk is very low it's an exercise right right okay so uh, you make the mistake in an exercise you learn from that so that you don't make that same mistake when it comes to real-world operations so I think uh, probably to answer from Marawi, you know, I yeah. think we we should learn more from the mistakes of Marawi mm. than from its successes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let's go now to to uh, the meat of discussion. This year's Balikatan is turning out even bigger than earlier expectations. We were looking at going from seven eight thousand to fifteen thousand, then sixteen thousand. Now it looks like seven thousand and counting. 000. What's going on there? Because we also got to know the other month that Australia is also sending its biggest contingent. So this is not only Philippines and US, but we know since mid-2010s, Australians are coming mm. in. The Japanese in 2018, for the first time, I think they had deployment of an armored, yeah. armored unit since the end of Second uh, World War. What's going on here? Why is it so big? Why is it so important? What's, what's the fuzz? Why are so many people involved in this? Well, we're... Uh, you have to understand that of those 17,000, not all of them are... The, are not all of them are boots on the ground. Yes, staff, support, uh, yes. logistics. Some, yeah. Many of them, yeah. yes, they are Servicemen, the, yeah. the service exercise support. Right. The, uh, because there are so many moving parts, uh, the combat support and combat service support are there to support whatever people who are doing right. the exercises. Many of them are in their ships, are in their Navy ships. So many of them don't get their boots on the ground. They're over there in the littoral right. areas. They are steaming... Uh, doing uh, doing maritime maneuvers, okay. Uh, it's big because we are progressing. Uh, we are we are exercising certain concepts that we have right. not exercised before. You know? So what we're doing right now is we're doing a littoral live fire exercise. Uh, why why are we exercising in the littorals? Mm-hmm. In previous Balikatan exercises, we've been doing that inside a military camp, mm-hmm. like in Crow Valley. Right. Port Magsaysay. Okay, those are landlocked areas. And you you won't get Navy ships into those landlocked right, areas. Right. right? So, uh, so it sort of limits also the participation of the of Navy. Navy yeah. yeah. So we we need to train all of them together. Yep. The Army, the Navy, the Air Force. But where do you train them? You have to go to the you have so to you go change to the, the topography so that you can more effectively do multi-domain. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Uh, because that's the only way. Right. Uh, there are other ways to train them. You know, you could train the army and the air force, or you could train the air force right. and the navy. You see, but there's always that something lacking. Eh? You cannot actually say, oh, okay, we could say that we are proficient as a joint force unless right. you get to train together. You see, it's not just a matter of firing the trigger. Correct. It's also a question of communicating to one another. Coordination is everything. I mean, we yes, see that precisely. now. That's the problem of Russia, right? Invading Ukraine. Yes, precisely. They had huge problems with multi-domain coordination. Yes, precisely. So the opportunity to do it is really at the littoral areas. Right. So that's why we're pushing to the to the to the beaches. Right. Okay. But we are only operate. We are only exercising within our territorial waters. Correct. Okay. So it's within uh, twelve nautical miles. Now. Speaking of uh, Balikatan, initially we heard the location is going to be a little bit to the north and then it was kind of like adjusted to Zambales. Uh, what's going on there? Because some people are yes. saying maybe we have to just make sure it's not too provocative and that uh, maybe no. let's not get more involved with Taiwan, let's focus more on West Philippine Sea. Uh, what are not, we looking not at exactly. here? Mm-hmm. We, we did a survey of several locations. Right. We did the survey of several locations. Uh, Ilocos was one of them. Right. Okay. But uh, after looking at the locos, we found out that there are certain logistical challenges in getting there that we, st- we still have to figure out. Pa. Like fishermen being, you know, like no, being not necessarily not, because yeah. uh, it was ju- it, well, it's going to be a two-day activity anyway. You know, but mm. there are certain logistical challenges that uh, we need to get, uh, we need to solve first. Yeah. So we are experimenting on it in a controlled littoral right. area in Zambales. Okay. Where you have many Balikatan happen in the yes, past, right? Yeah, exactly, where, which yeah. we are when we when we get those uh, little quirks, uh, little uh, quirks ironed out, then we can explore other areas. 
So you're saying the future is possible? It will be in somewhere like Ilocos? Is is that something that? That's a very strong possibility. Mm, That's a very strong mm, possibility. Interesting. Yeah, but in the meantime, we focus first on uh, a certain area that we can control. All right. So it was making sure that you know it, <laughs> nothing goes haywire, right? It's making sure planchado lahat in short. Yes. So it's really logistical consideration rather than political yes. or strategic. Now speak of this balikatan. Each Balikatan is special in its own way, but this Balikatan seems to be very special because a lot of unprecedented things are happening. I mean, first of all, of course, it comes against the backdrop of the situation in Ukraine, where I think a lot of lessons are being learned. If I'm not mistaken, the Philippine army had also one of its biggest exercises with its American counterparts earlier Salak this year. Exactly, yes. earlier this year. And from my understanding is that, at, I mean, openly, we have officials saying that we are trying to apply lessons we're learning from what happened in Ukraine in fighting modern warfare and for me it makes perfect sense because the well some of our potential adversaries in this region have a very similar you know hardware and potentially software to russia right and, and i think ukraine as being a relatively small country but performing so well maybe there are lessons for here now speaking of balikatan i think for the first time we're going to use patriot missile systems or something like that um, can you tell us more about what's up with this patriot missile systems deployment why is it so big we're also having um simulation of a sinking of a vessel uh, we are also having high Mars, among others. Can we go one by one to this ones? Because the problem is, I think, in media, these things are just mentioned. Oh, they're big, they're special. But the explanation is always not there. And that's why I felt you're the perfect person to ask about it, uh, Colonel. Can you explain to us, to our audience, why is it important that we have deployment of some of these assets? Uh, in general, what are the first things with Balikatan, aside from its size, right? Mm -hmm. And each of this uh, hardware, what is the implication of that, strategically, tactically, uh, among others? Well, uh, the Patriots and the HIMARS, these are weapon systems that uh, the United States Armed Forces are going to use anyway, whatever conflict. You know? Right. So, Balikatan uh, serves not only our training objectives, but, but also their training objectives right. as well. So, when we bring out our artillery, because that's what we have, we right. train with that. They are also going to bring out their artillery for them to for them to train on, you know? So they normally fight with these weapon systems. They, they have to train with these weapon systems as well. Okay, and we're trying to see if okay is this weapon system compatible with this? Are there overlaps in these different weapon systems? You know? And another thing, it also gives us an eye opener on right. what other types of weapon systems that we may be interested in the future right, that, we want, that we may want to acquire okay because we we will see that okay these are the capabilities of the, these weapon systems that they're bringing right. in okay what are is that an advantage to us if we have it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh yeah will we be having a chance to operate cooperate those with the americans like What's up? It's like they just put their missiles there when we put our missiles. Well, we How much learning is going on there? Well, we have uh, we also have subject matter exchanges. Ah, I see. Yes. I and see. then it, those uh, those are icebreakers. Right, right. Those are icebreakers when it comes to Yes, yeah, like uh, you brought my Lamborghini, you put it next. You know what I'm saying? Like let's check, yeah. you know what's up. And there, like, right? like the other day, yeah. they had uh, they had an exercise firing uh, they had a uh, a short uh, exercise, uh, live fire of the Javelin anti-tank uh, weapon. Which is a legendary weapon in the context of Ukraine. Again, yes, right? and the Americans, they were kind enough to allow one of our soldiers to, to fire. To use them, yeah, exactly. To fire, yeah. the, to fire the Javelin. Okay, so it's not exactly, uh, it's like a, a test drive. Exactly, not like, technology yeah. transfer, more like test drive. Yeah, it's like a still. test drive of a car, but right? Still, yeah, yeah, but still, yeah. After test driving a car, you, you can get to say whether, okay, this this, Works for us. this this type yeah. of weapon uh, this type of weapon is effective it could uh, it could solve some of our problems right and that could probably be an eye opener when we consider modernizing because we use also black hawk helicopters the other year right uh, yes i was uh, just uh, exactly. i was just in a black hawk helicopter <laughs> yeah. uh, an hour ago so i I'm, I'm sure there was a time when we were just looking at it being used by americans and wondering can we have one of them and then now we have one of them ourselves, right? We're, I mean, more than one of them. Well, more than one. More than one, yeah, more of course, one, yeah. yeah. So maybe same thing could happen, right? With some of the other American weapon systems. We test drive it and down the road, yes, we yes. might be... Down the road, they might be interested in procuring it. Right, some of these 
it doesn't make sense for the Philippines of high Mars uh, or because I know Harpoon missile systems are, have been in consideration for the Philippines, uh, right? Mm. I mean, there was a package approved by Pentagon, I think, two years ago at two 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 point four billion dollar. Harpoon missiles were were mentioned, but I never heard high Mars or Patriot missiles or things like that. Are is is are things evolving? Like in yes. light of Ukraine, uh, that is my point uh, that I was trying to make a while ago. No, because if you are too focused on counterinsurgency, on internal security right. operations. Right. Your ambition for modernizing your AFP will just be limited. Correct. Because you're limited also to the threat that you're facing right now. Right, you know? right. You're, you're facing uh, an, an unconventional enemy. You're not even talking about armies. Right. You're this talking about... Something else. Uh, yes, yeah. you're, talking about, uh, you're talking about guerrilla fighters, really. Which... Your probably your answer to that would probably not be high Mars. Ah, okay? right, right. Your your answer to that would probably be more on uh, whole, of <laughs> whole, whole of government approach, right, whole right. of nation approach. Right, right. You see, but as you are going to progress from a tactical a cap a capability yeah. at the tactical level, and you yeah. want to progress to a certain uh, infocentric uh, warfare type of right. the defense force. Then you have to have certain weapon systems in your arsenal already. Right, right. Okay. So that's why we are we are allowing uh, yeah. or we are encouraging those types of weapons so that actually it will also uh, be an eye opener for our exactly. for our leaders. I mean, we have Brahmos already, right? Yes. We are, so yes. maybe we're going to use them. And I know Brahmos yes, has have, Russian derivative have, technology, well, okay. which is interesting. Okay, I, I will not go, I, I, I will <laughs> right. not go there, yeah. but. Uh, that's a we have we have those types of weapon systems Which that we advanced. did not have before. Exactly. Okay. So that I consider that a capability upgrade. It's a right. capability that we have now that we did not have before. Exactly. So we're filling in a certain capability gap right. uh, by getting it. Is is the AFP feeling more confident now when they're training with our major power counterparts, etc. Because of the AFP well, that's modernization. the idea. Yeah. Th that, yeah. That's the that's the idea. Yeah. The idea of Balikatan is not to make the AFP drool over yeah. over stuff that we right. don't have because right. we also have stuff that we do have. Right. Okay. It's go it's uh, an and we don't have to have all of the stuff that they have. Yes. It has to be tweaked to our needs. Yes. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we have to. We have to be happy. Well, we're we're happy with what we have. We trade with what we have. Right. Okay. And then we try to prove right. that we can be just as proficient in joint right. operations as our counterparts. I mean, speaking of that, I remember a few years ago. Um, remember the ASEAN China exercises and all, and 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 there was an exercise between ASEAN and China, and like I think Filipino troops topped the everyone else in terms of electronic warfare training, etc. And that was like an eye-opener for everyone like wow Filipinos are actually at the cutting edge right which goes against you know stereotypes yeah, of the film I remember this is like 2018 if I'm not mistaken or something like that that I was that impressed me a lot maybe we can check on that later on what do you think the call yeah but um Colonel going back to this um there's also gonna be there of course this year Sbalikatan also included simulation of a sinking of a vessel this is in Zambales yes. not too far from Scarborough like far enough but not too far right What's I, going on there? I'm pretty sure it's, it's close enough. No, I'm pretty sure it's far from Scarborough Show. Right, but, but for others they don't see it that way. They no. see it's like mm, maybe it's like I a... did not do the math. Right, I it's only twelve nautical miles away from the shore. Right, so, but I, uh, I I don't know how far it is away from Scarborough Show. Like, but not Scarborough Show happens to be the closest contested tense area. I mean, let's just put it that way, right? I mean, in the same way. If there are exercises, I don't know, in Palawan, you'll say it's close to the Spratlys. But anyway, sure. Uh, what's going on there with this simulation? What is it all about? Isn't it too well, provocative? Well, if, if you're firing into the water, you have to yeah. fire at a target. Right. Right. I mean, we don't... Okay, we're firing different weapon systems because that's the way we train interoperability. Mm -hmm. We don't just maneuver. We, we maneuver with... Uh, fire, so it's fire and maneuver. All right. So when you fire into a, uh, if you fire, you have to have a target to fire at. It's proficiency. It's proficiency in in target acquisition. It's gunnery proficiency. Right. So what do you have? What do you fire against? Well, you fire against a, a target vessel, something that approximates uh, what you would normally encounter in real in real world operations. And when you fire at it, you have to sink it. 
Alaan, di ba? Yeah. <laughs> you leave it floating there. Half, well, you, half, you, half well, you can, yeah. but uh, uh, you have to sink it. Otherwise, it becomes a hazard to future navigation. But Colonel, uh, correct me. Some would say you use some spicy way of explaining, like you said something like we're gonna throw everything at it in some of the simulation and war games. Was I wrong? Well, I'm just wondering, like, um, <laughs> what, how is this special? Like, you know, because you said we're gonna use multi-domain, right? From yes, air, yes. from you know, from land, everything like that. Is it uh, what what's going on there? Is, is this specially dramatic this year compared to previous years? Or maybe we're well, overreading what the, the quote from you on this well, exercise. Well, maybe it only shows how excited I am <laughs> right. that we're actually doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because uh, well, for me, I'm excited because uh, we're doing this for the first time. Right. I'm excited because I get to we get to see it for the first time. Correct. You see, it's a may kasamang gigil eh. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, when I say when so I so not that spicy word, more gigil. <laughs> no, I, I I would say that um, we will use whatever weapon systems that we have right. at our disposal uh, to to exercise on that uh, maritime target. Right. Um. To end our conversation, there's a lot we can discuss, and hopefully we can come back and discuss this further uh, down the road. But. Are there myths and misunderstanding and let's just call it nonsense, a lot of nonsense out there that you want to correct? What are the biggest things that really rile you up, gets you worked up in terms of, let's say, amateur commentary on the state of AFP or the kind of exercises we're doing? We kind of gave you an idea a while ago, this idea that we're not independent in America. We're just the little brother of America. What are, the, what are these myths that really rile no, you up I, and you want to correct? Well. Uh Getting to the point that we are trying to make, uh, yeah. I, I think we have too much pride uh, to be anyone's little brother. Mm -hmm. you know, we're we also have something to prove. Mm -hmm. And what I tell our people is that remember who you are. You're a Filipino soldier, and you take pride in the fact that uh, your your metal has already been tested several times right. in the past. So when you face your treaty partners, your American counterparts, uh, never consider yourself as inferior. You are their equal, and in certain respects, you may even be better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, a lot of our American counterparts, they leave the exercise with that impression that we are among the best in the world. Right. Um, what about the idea that Thank you for the clarification. What about the idea that um, Palikatan, 17,000, simulating sinking a vessel, all of this high-tech stuff coming from America, this is too provocative. We're asking for trouble. What do you say about those kind of critics? I will is say, this about provocation? I will say that the military is an instrument of national policy. Mm. We are doing this because the job of the military is to defend the nation. Uh, one of the unspoken or the uh, attendant uh, tasks on uh, on that is we have to train right. to defend the nation. So, makaduktong yan eh. The, the, right. Those those two have to go together. Eh. I mean, if you are if you are ordered to risk your life to defend the country, you will have to use whatever advantage you have at your disposal, and naturally you'll have to train. Okay, uh, the tacit agreement between a government, a civil, the civilian authority and the armed forces mm -hmm. is that civilian authority relies on us to come up with a military option. And we have to come up with a military option. Otherwise, we lose sense of what makes the armed forces the armed forces. Mm -hmm. So naturally, we have to train. We have to get ourselves to that level of competence, level of proficiency for us to execute our mandate. Colonel, um, you mentioned a very important term that I believe is not as much appreciated by a lot of critics of what's happening right yeah. now. Deterrence. I think this is a most important concept to keep in mind. How much is deterrence shaping what we're doing right now with our partners? Palikatan, how much of this is less about provocation but deterrence of potential shenanigans by some more hostile actors in this part of the world? Yeah, um, deterrence is discouraging uh, an adversary from acting. Discouraging. Right. Okay. It it uh, 
you raise the costs yes. to make them think twice before yes. doing something funny. You're, you're uh, short of uh, short of any kinetic action. Right. You're you're actually uh, sending a message. It's it's a, it's a it's a way of communicating between between actors, right? Uh, if you look at the animal kingdom, mm. some animals have developed right. cert, uh, through genetics certain right. uh, deterrent, biology, yes, yeah. certain deterrents. You know, right. uh, you have. Uh, but these are these are things that recognizing that uh, you do not have to actually uh, you do not actually have to fight to win, but you have to send the message that when we need to, we will have to fight. You see? And that alone mm-hmm. is a very strong deterrent message that mm-hmm. uh, that we can send, you know? uh, which is entirely different from provocation because provocation is you are taunting uh, an adversary to take action. Right. So, but what are we doing right now? You know, we're we're training inside our territorial right. waters. We're training inside our territorial airspace. Right. And it is every nation, big or small has that absolute inalienable right to defend right. its territory. And that's our job. And to remind the rest of the world that they're willing to defend their territory. Yes, precisely. Just in case some people have second thoughts about yes, that. Yes, precisely. Right? That's our yeah. job. Ano? Uh, I right. would like to quote um, from uh, Miyamoto Musashi. Right. He said that... Uh, the, the samurai wisdom, right? Yes. He said that the only reason a warrior exists yeah. is to fight. And the only reason a warrior fights is to win. Otherwise, why be a warrior? Mm. There's absolutely no reason to be a warrior if your objective is not to fight right. or, or your objective is not to win. It's easier to count beads. Right. Now, who counts beads? Monks. Right? And we do not train to count beads. We're not trained to be politic. We're not trained to be... Uh, diplomats. Right. You know, we train you people because to become mm. warriors. But you have been very diplomatic today in answering my questions. <laughs> um, just to end on this point, Colonel, I, I, I keep on thinking because you say very important points. I, I just, um, w- what has been your experience in the past few years? I mean, you have been involved with uh, Balikatan since at least 2021, right? So we had transition between two actually ad- since 2017. 2017, but more directly even since 2021. Mm. What are the things you notice in this transition? Because we had two different administrations, right? Uh, how much continuity and stability is there in the foundation of the Philippine alliance with the United States from your experience, despite all the political brouhaha? Okay, I, I'm not supposed to talk about policy. Yeah, exactly. But you know, yeah. from the operational standpoint, what is your understanding of the continuities that we're seeing? Because many would say, almost regardless of who has been the president of the Philippines, almost regardless of the politics, the foundation are so strong in this alliance that they withstand that and they, there has been a steady growth. Because many say yeah. there's too much misunderstanding of the Philippines' military-to-military relationship with the U.S., which seems to be almost immune from the politics. Yes. This is where uh, a professional armed forces will have to be very important. Right. Uh, a professional armed forces will know its duty, will know its mandate, regardless of... Right. Uh, constitutional poli- mandate. Yes, yeah. constitutional mandate, regardless of political color. Exactly. Okay, so when we uh, train our people, we remind them, okay, that we are one of the instruments of national power. You have the diplomatic, informational, economic, and military. Right. We represent the military instrument of national power. We are here to provide civilian authority with a military option, right. regardless if. Uh, civilian authority decides to use that option or not. Not, yeah. See, if they decide to go with other instruments of national policy, that is totally within their prerogative. Yeah. But the important thing is we provide that. We provide them that option. We provide them that option because, one, who else will come up with that option? Correct. Yeah, the professional soldier will have to come up with that option which uh, the civilian authority may consider or may not consider. Right. Okay. But you have to do your part. We have to do, we our, have part. To do our part. Yep. Otherwise, I go back to Miyamoto Musashi. I just have beans if I cannot even provide that uh, option to them. Um, what do you want to see with AFP modernization? What are the things you look forward to in the coming years or so? I mean, we're already in the third phase of you know, the three horizon of AFP modernization. 
I mean, I know your army, but I know a lot of focus will be on Air Force, mm-hmm. Navy. But one of the things you mentioned also a while ago is greater focus on cyber security mm-hmm. capabilities. And my sense is if you look at our adversaries nowadays for countries like Philippines or US, a lot of them are very proficient in cybersecurity or rogue actors like I don't mm-hmm. know, North Korea, etc. What are those things that you believe we should uh, we should look forward to in terms of development of AFP capabilities and AFP modernization? Okay, so, well, one of my professors in MNSA asked us, uh, what can we do okay, to stand up for ourselves? Right. Uh, to to resist foreign uh, foreign intervention. Right. Uh, I I answered her, mom. The first thing we need to do is to change our attitudes. Mm. We have to we have to purge a defeatist mindset. I think that's the first thing we have to do. You go you go into conflict, and if you think you're gonna lose, you will. Mm. You see, so. We have to force ourselves right. to, uh, or we have to purge that defeatist mindset. So when we focus on our, our training, our leaders, our uh, future leaders in the AFP, you have to come up with a course of action. Right. Force yourself to come up with a course of action, and you'd surprise yourself. And you don't have to look very far. I mean, take a look at Ukraine. Right. They are facing. Uh, incredible odds against their the the largest army on earth right? by some counts. Yeah. yeah, but they have they have uh, stood up to that uh, that uh, their adversary, right. and they have distinguished themselves uh, with uh, with much uh, with much aplomb. Right. right. So you'd surprise yourself, actually. Right. So it begins with that. You know, we have to the right mindset. We have to uh, develop leaders who are optimists, who can look at any situation and then figuring out what's the problem Mm -hmm. and then develop their operational approach like a professional, like a professional would, you know. Instead of taking a look at the situation and then immediately give up. That's what we're trying to purge because that type of mindset is like a cancer in any armed forces. And we stop them when we, we extract them when we can. The defeatist, fatalistic yes, kind of the mindset. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't matter. Now, if you have a if you have a professional army with that type of with that type of mindset, well, all you need to do is equip them. Right. And we would be uh, we would uh, rise to that. We would rise to the occasion. On that note, thank you very much, Colonel Mike Loico. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So again, Colonel Mike Loico, Executive Agent of Balikatan Exercises for 2023. I'm sure we're going to have more conversations soon. Thank you so much for being open to a lot of questions. I'm I'm sure there are certain questions that you're more comfortable than others, but I really appreciate it. Catch us again next week on One News. You can also check out the long conversation on Spotify. Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. I am Richard Hidarian, and that is The View from Manila. We are One News, all sides, all the time.